Acts 2, 42 through 47 this whole year so far. I hope that you're not tired of the scripture yet. Uh, there's a lot in it, and we've been using it as a basis to talk about being rooted and developing it and growing our roots. And so we've talked about uh, prioritizing and being intentional so far in like three different areas. So our focus and awareness of the Holy Spirit, that's presence. Uh, our investment into other people that we can grow with, that's relationship within the body. And then we've been talking about our willingness to embrace other people outside of our faith and to draw them in and show them the love of Jesus, and that is mission. We talk about mission not being an event, but mission being a lifestyle. Like every time you walk out your front door, you're on a mission trip because there's always someone that doesn't know Jesus yet or needs to know him in a new way. And so in the final message in this series, we're going to return to this passage one more time, and we're going to talk really about the f something that's actually instrumental to our deepening of our roots, acts of faith relating to our time and our resources. And we see the first century church prioritizing these and being really intentional about time and resources. And the reason we're talking about this is because our time and our resources are very closely connected. Your paycheck is a representation of your time. Time that you spent on the job, time that you spent investing of your life, and there's a return that comes from that. And so the, the, your resources, specifically the money you earn, is a representation of your time. And if one of those things is wasted, then kind of, in effect, the other one is too. The other one's been wasted. And we, so we often talk about like spending. I'm going to try not to use the word spending today. Spending our time, spending our money. Because by definition, to spend something means to consume it, to use it up. If I spend it, it's gone. Right? But to invest it is to put it to use so that it, it results in a return or a gain. And that's kind of what we see going on with this church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. They're not spending their time doing something. They're not wasting it. They're not consuming that time up and then it's gone. They're also not spending their money in a way that is just frivolous and wasteful and it's just gone forever. They're actually making investments. They're being intentional. They're investing their time with one another in the word, in the scripture, in, in fellowship, in prayer. They're investing in things activities together that bring a return. They're selling their property and possessions and sharing the money with those in need. So they're, they're investing into other people and, and, and they're, they're worshiping together at the temple. They're, they're sharing meals with great joy and with great generosity. And what we see is that when we spend something, it's lost and gone. But when we invest it, it produces a return and there's a gain. We want to be really good stewards of what God's given us, especially in terms of things like our time and resources, which are essential, they're valuable, and they're limited. And that's why today um, we're going to talk about two practical, biblical practices that deal specifically with our time and our money. Now, one we've talked about a little bit before in a recent series, and that is Sabbath. Sabbath is a weekly 24-hour period of rest where we don't, we don't focus on work. We don't focus on, on, on producing something. We don't focus on, on just getting the job done. That's really hard for a lot of us to do. Even when you're not at work, you're kind of at work. 
Even when your physical body is not on the job, your mind is going. Your emotions are tied up into it. And it's really hard for us sometimes to take a Sabbath. And a Sabbath is this, is this rest from your labors for 24 hours. A rest from your labors just for a day. Take a day. Like Iron Man said at the end of Avengers. Let's, can we just, let's just take a day. Get some shawarma. Um, it's, a, it's a dedicated time of worship and delight. So it's not a time to focus on work, on getting things done. It's, it's setting, that side a time, uh, setting that time aside to focus on the Lord, to focus on delighting in Him, to allow Him to speak to you and move you, to embrace those relationships that He's brought into your life, and put aside work for a while, right? Now, the other thing that deals specifically with our money, and if, by the way, if you're visiting today, I don't always talk about money. I just want to make, you know, make that clear. Um, it's like, oh, great, I came on this day. You did come on this day, but it's going to be okay. Um, so both of, these, uh, both of these things, Sabbath and then tithing. Tithing is a, just a consistent practice of being a percentage giver, giving a percentage of what you've earned to the Lord. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Both of those practices are actually practices of faith. The wisdom of the world tells you, I, I, need to, I need to keep everything I've got, whether it's my time or my money. If I sacrifice something, then I've lost it. Then it's just gone, and I'm, I'm losing. But godly wisdom says that when we trust in him, we're willing to set aside time, set aside resources in faith to him, we actually end up gaining, right? If, if you could put Sabbath in a sentence... Sabbath is the idea that God can do more in six days in my life than I can do in seven. God can do more in six days in my life than I can do in seven. I'm going to give a day over to him, and I'm going to allow him to produce a return in my life that I couldn't make on my own. If we put tithing into a sentence, it's, I actually don't trust entirely in my own efforts to provide for myself. I can sacrifice a portion of what I earn to God, and I can trust him to provide everything that I need. So we've already kind of indirectly touched on ways that we can invest our time to deepen our roots, like investing in his presence, investing in relationships, investing in a missional mindset that connects us with other people. So today, we're going to touch kind of on, on this subject of money, which we don't touch on a lot, but it's, it's important. Mon I don't know about you, I like having money. I hope that's not terrible for a, a preacher to say. I'm just a human person, and people expect me to buy things, and if I don't have money, then I can't. So it's better to have it than not have it, right, just in general. Um, but because it has so much power and influence, it becomes a really tricky issue, not only in our lives, interpersonally, but, but to talk about and to reconcile with, with our spiritual walk. Sometimes these things get conflated. We kind of, we kind of get the script twisted, and we, and, and we act in ways that are contrary to, I think, how God wants us to view our resources. So two really big opposite ends of the spectrum are this in, in, in our Christian life. On one end, you've got believers who feel like, well, money is evil. Money's evil, and the more you have, the, the worse you are, the worse it is for you. So you need to, this is like the monk mentality, right? I, I just want to get rid of all of my worldly possessions, and in that, I will be free. And so, I mean, you can do that. 
if you, if you really want to. And if God's leading you to do that, that's great. But what that does for us, if we're doing it just out of a resistance to the world, what that does for us is it creates in us a poverty mindset. Like, I'm not righteous unless I'm poor. I can't be righteous unless I'm poor. If I have too much, then uh, I, I might not be godly. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is people who feel like, well, I, I'm not righteous unless God's blessing me and I'm rich, right? That's, that's sort of the prosperity mindset, the prosperity mindset that is tying the accumulation of wealth to your righteousness. I'm blessed and not stressed. You know, it's that kind of thing. Uh, I've, I've got, you know, I've got, my, my father has the cattle on a thousand hills, and I've got Cadillacs in the garage. It's that kind of thing. Um, where if, we, if we're not prospering, then we lack faith. Now, neither of those things are true. It's not true that if you're poor, you're more righteous. It's not true that if you're rich, you're more righteous. Um, both of those mindsets cause us to miss the point of what God is trying to do with us and the role of money in our lives. He's trying to reinforce that it is a tool that does two things. It's a tool that helps us grow in faith, and it's a tool that helps us to bless other people. That's what money is. That's what it's intended to be. It helps us to grow in faith, and it helps us to bless other people. And our relationship with money actually really does matter to God. I was reading this fun fact the other day because I like facts. I like fun facts. I like trivia. There are about 2,000 verses in Scripture that are specifically about money and possessions. And there are about 500 Scriptures specifically about prayer and faith. It plays a big role in our lives. It plays a big role in Scripture. So it's worth looking, looking into a little bit. I'm going to share some Scriptures that are specifically about resources, possessions, money. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. He's not saying you can't have it. He's saying you can't serve it. You can't let it be your master, right? And that's, where, that's one of the areas where we get it twisted. Uh, he's not saying you can't have God in your life and have money in your life. He's not encouraging you to have a poverty mindset and that's gonna make you righteous. What he's saying is, you can have it, but you can't serve it. Serve the Lord your God and serve him only, right? We actually can become controlled by our money because it's got a lot of power in this world and it does specific things that are actually God's responsibility, right? It does specific things in this world system that are supposed to be needs that are filled by God. Money in the world can provide us some sense of security, which is actually for us to trust God for. Money can provide comfort. You know, you buy a more comfortable chair, you're gonna be more comfortable when you're watching the game. That's just the way it goes. Uh, money can provide in our world. You know, it's, 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 it's a have and have not kind of thing, and when you have, you get, you get to have more. Um, money for some people can provide identity, especially if we're in, once again, those two opposite ends of the spectrum. I find my identity in all of the funds that I don't have, and look how much better I am than those rich people. Or 
I find my identity in all of the wealth that I have and look how much more righteous I am than those people because of the blessing that's on my life, right? Some people, money becomes their identity. And because the world gives it that kind of power, it actually becomes a real test of our heart. So money is a tool, as I mentioned just a moment ago, that tests our faith and it's used to bless others. Um, One of the key things I want us to get this morning is that whatever God places in our hands is a test of our heart. He doesn't allow something to come into our lives that, he doesn't allow something to come into our lives that is just for us alone, right? He, he shares his goodness with us. If I have money come into my life, that's not really mine, that's his, that's his, and it's a test of my heart. Do I want to keep it at the expense of him, or am I willing to allow him to use it how he would like me to, how he would lead me to? Um, if, if we have a skill, if we have a gift, if we have a, you know, any, anything that the Lord has given to us, yes, he's allowing us to steward it, but it really belongs to him. And so anything that God puts in our hand is a test of our heart. How are we going to respond to what he's given us? Just like we talked about earlier with breathing, breathing in and out. Same principle. We receive freely from God. And what he's expecting is, are are we willing in our heart to let it go? Because we know who our real master is. We know who who it really belongs to. So Paul talked about this test of the heart with Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is what we talked about before. God doesn't mind us having it. He doesn't want us to serve it. He doesn't mind us having wealth. He doesn't want it to become our master and dictate what we're going to do with our lives. Jesus also warned about the desire for natural wealth in Matthew 6, 19 and 21. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the progression there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I think sometimes we get confused and we think, oh, well, if I really love something, then that's where I'm going to make all my investment. But it's, it's really subtle. We take a look at where we've actually placed our investment, whether it's with our time, with our energy, with our resources. What we find is that that's actually the thing that we really love. It's not that your heart follows your treasure. Or I'm sorry, it's not that your treasure follows your heart. It's that your heart follows your treasure. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The thing that we give into, the thing that we sacrifice and give of ourselves into, that's where our heart is going to be. That's what really matters to us. God isn't incredibly concerned about where our money is, but he's really concerned about where our hearts are. He's really concerned about where our hearts are. Whatever he places in our hands is a test of our hearts. And so... 
as I mentioned earlier, and if this is a if this is a phrase, if you're newer to church and this is a phrase that you haven't heard before, or you've been around church a while and this is a phrase that kind of gives you a little bit of a uh, you know stirs you up a little bit, I'm going to talk very quickly about a simple and practical and concrete way that we can show God that He is our Master and we can show Him where our heart is with what He's placed in our hands, and it's called tithing. Tithing. Tithing is simply becoming a percentage giver to God, sowing back to God a percentage of what he has given you to steward. I'm going to get into it uh, in a little bit more detail. It's actually first mentioned in the Bible when Abraham tithed to the priest Melchizedek in Genesis 14. Melchizedek blessed Abraham, blessed him, uh, spoke a blessing of God over him, and Abraham, in response to the blessing of the Lord, he decided to give him a tenth of everything that he had, give a tenth back to the Lord. And that's where we get tithe, it's tenth. Give a tenth back to the Lord. So what I think is interesting about that is so many times we talk about tithing, we talk about sowing into the church, uh, into, the, into God, into the body of Christ, and we think, oh, that's one of those law things. Genesis was before the law. Law didn't come until a couple books later. So Genesis 14, we see that giving back to the Lord from what he's blessed us with is not an act of law. It's an act of worship. It's an act of love. It's an act of thankfulness for the blessing that we've received. Abraham received a blessing from God from Melchizedek, and it, it just it blessed him so much that it motivated him, I need to sow into the Lord. So tithing is not part of the law. Tithing is an act of worship. And it originates in thankfulness. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 14. There's something really cool in here that I want to show you. Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23. This is instructions from God to his people about how the tithing thing works. And for us, we have to consider it like finances and not like crops. Unless you're like the DeYoungs and you have a farm. Um, so 14, 23 through 23. You must set aside a tithe of your crops. One-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place that the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, the firstborn males of your flocks and your herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. I want you to take a look at verse 23, because sometimes when we talk about tithe, and by the way, this is not a message designed to have anybody give today. We already, we already received the offering. We, that's, that's all done. This is, about, this is a message about the condition of our heart and what are we willing to steward and how are we willing to respond to, uh, to God's request that we sacrifice of ourselves for him. Uh, so verse 23, he, he just told them, bring a tithe of all your crops. Bring one-tenth of everything that you've grown, all your oil, all your livestock, all your, all your chickens, all, all that stuff. Bring all your grain, bring a tenth of it, and bring it to the house. And he says, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. I think sometimes when we think about the tithe, when we think about giving an offering to the Lord, and, and a tithe means tenth. In reality, sometimes a tenth is maybe not doable, but I think wherever we are, whatever we are able to do, whatever percentage we are able to do, we should start there and just be consistent and say, Lord, this is what I have. This is what I have, and it is for you, 
and it will be for you. And I believe that in giving this to you consistently, that you're going to bless me with more because you promised that you would. And then we'll, God, God's willing to work with us, right? So God is instructing them to keep 90% of all their crops, and they can sell it, they can eat it, and it's going to feed themselves. I think when we talk about tithes, sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm just I'm spending that. That's, that's just gone. I don't get to use that. I, would, I really could use the whole hundred. Here's the really cool thing. He's not telling them to set aside the 10% and just throw it away or flush it or you know, like consider it gone, lock it away in a, in a safe room or something. He actually instructs them to bring it to the place of worship, and he says, quote, eat it there in his presence. So the 90% is theirs so they can consume it. The 10% that they sow is going to the Lord not so that it goes away, but so that they can consume it, so they can partake of it. Everything that they've earned is for God to use to feed them, whether it's physically or spiritually. We, we bring our first and our best to our designated place of worship, and it's not lost. It's not lost. It's added to the storehouse. And in this weird way, I don't do math, but I think 100% is usually like all we got, Right? You got 100% of something, that's it. Uh, but what God's done here is he said, you keep 90% and you eat off of that. And then the 10%, bring it into the storehouse. Well, we've got other people bringing their percent. And the storehouse is full, overflowing, to more than my 100%. But I bring my 10% or my 5% or my 1% or whatever it is that I'm able to commit and dedicate to the Lord, I bring that in, and, and it's in the storehouse of God, and it mixes with the other things that are in the storehouse of God, and I get to partake of more than 100% of what I've earned because of the way that God has designed it. He's instructing them in this scripture to dedicate 10% to him, and in doing so, he opens up the possibility to partake of the abundance of over 100 Tithing is about honoring God by giving him our first and our best. And sometimes it's a really super easy practice, depending on how, if the bonus came in that month or whatever, you know. Sometimes it's a real test of faith. It's a real test of faith. But whatever he's put in our hands is just, a, it's a test of our heart. So I want to share really quickly um, three just key ideas to leave us with about tithing, about percentage giving to the Lord. Um, first off is that tithing is not a transaction between you and the church. It's not a transaction between you and the church. It's not payment for goods and services. You know, <laughs> thank goodness, because what you get here, I've, uh, whew. Um, <laughs> it's not a transaction between you and the church. It's an act of worship between you and God. Wherever he plants you, Bring it to the house of worship that he has designated for you to bring it to. Wherever he's planted you, he's asking you, sow into that place because that's where I planted you. That's where I've asked for you to sow in. That's where I've asked for you to develop roots and to grow. Um, second thing, tithing is an act of worship, but it's also a very pragmatic approach. It's very practical. Individually, as an individual, the act of sowing into God, the act of tithing, the act of being a percentage giver, it teaches me 
who my master is. It keeps money from replacing God as the key important thing in my life. So as an individual, it's a blessing to me to get into the practice of releasing and not holding on so tightly. It helps me to keep money from replacing God as the top priority. And corporately, it fills the storehouse so that needs can be met. So that needs can be met. So that, so that we can reach out and bless other people outside of this sphere. So that if there's a need here, we, we have what we've all sown in and we can all eat from that. We can all draw from that. Um, third thing, tithing is about love and not law. I mentioned this last week with the taking the risk when we're talking about having a mission mindset, right? Getting, getting outside of our comfort zone. Anytime you go and reach out to somebody else, it's a risk. It's an interpersonal risk. You risk getting rejected. You risk, it's, it, it, it's an anxiety-filled kind of thing. Tithing is like that as well. It's a risk in our minds, but it's about love and not law. It's a discipline that develops our dependence upon God. It develops our dependence. We are willing to live on less than 100% and sow that other percent into him. And what we find is that when we do that, he opens doors. He creates opportunities. He gives back in favor. Things that we didn't expect, things that we didn't ask for, but blessings just come. So it's a discipline that develops our dependence upon God. It's also a discipline that develops our intimacy with God because we learn to trust him. We learn to trust him with what he's put into our hands. We breathe in and we learn to trust him with what we breathe out. Now, it's, it's just one way that we learn to trust God, but it is a way. We trust him to have control over our finances, and when he has control over our finances, he has control over our hearts, because where our treasure is, there our heart will be. And we see him come through. We see him provide. And it raises our expectation and our faith that he's going to do it again. Right? We've been talking about developing roots. We've been talking about growing deeper, becoming more unshakable in our faith so that when the winds come and when the storms come, we can stand strong. And this is what we're talking about here today is just one more test of our faith, one more way that we can show God, I trust you. I trust you when I'm, bringing, when I'm welcoming in your presence. And uh, worship team, prayer team, if we could have you all come up. I trust you when I'm welcoming in your presence. I trust that you'll be there. I trust you in my relationships that you're going to surround me with folks who are going to help me and build me up. I trust you when I take a risk and I, I go on mission trip right out my front door and, and, and you meet me there and this is just one more way. I trust you with what you've put into my hand. You've asked me to release a portion of it back to you and I trust you with it. And so I'm going to sew it into you and I'm going to see you move. It's an opportunity to extend our faith and as our faith reaches higher, our roots grow deeper. <laughs> As our faith reaches higher, our roots grow deeper. It's just the way that growth happens. 